This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. Every writer in town is just getting pummeled with info about various artists for your artist to watch list. There's no win with the artist to watch lists, even when you're right. Here's the thing. No one's keeping score and tracking how many times someone is right. And let me give you an example of that. Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. My name is Billy Dukes. I appreciate you if you found the show for the very first time. And if you're back for a new episode, thank you so much for returning. Thank you for subscribing as well. I love my subscribers and anyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast on their favorite podcast platform. Man, that just really means the world to me. I had a great conversation with Emily J. Lordy from the New York Times Tea Magazine on Monday. Talked about what it's like to profile Dolly Parton. Emily wrote 10,000 words on Dolly for an article that ended up being about 5,000 words. If you're a journalist, you know what it's like to be edited really harshly. She says she loves it. I've struggled with it at times. (laughs) Past episodes include Andrea Williams, as well as Kaylee Shore joined the show a little bit earlier this month. Follow me on Twitter at Billy Dukes. Email me at billydukes at gmail.com with feedback, support, or maybe even a guest idea. Tis the season for ranking things. Top 10 songs, top 10 albums, top 10 music videos, top 10 artists, top 10 live shows. All right, that last one probably is going to skip a year, but I used to half joke that I'd start ranking industry events. You know, how was the food? How was the ambiance? Did it start on time or did they have one of those fake start times? Was there adequate parking? I mean, if you're going to review something, why not review all the things? Time, time, time is why. There's not enough time for it. Year-end lists and artist-to-watch lists for the new year are really popular this time of year. And to understand how to interpret them, there's some things you need to know about the motives of who is writing them. And then there's some things to look for to pick apart the good ones from the bad ones. For example, the best song and that number one album, find it at number two. That item on the list that you've never heard of or listened to? Yeah, we know. All right, here are two reasons why everyone does top 10 lists and year-end lists. And the first one is kind of boring. It's just about page views at a time of year when, you know, the news slows down. We all still have these goals to hit. Some outlets, I guess, are really pretty invested in truly recapping the entire year. But not many of the professional ones, the ones that actually um, have a staff and, and make a living doing this. And if they do, they shouldn't, because no one ever really remembers what albums or songs are number one on Rolling Stone Country or Sounds Like Nashville or Taste of Country or whomever in any given year. It's like who won at award shows. No one remembers for more than a week. We just want the conversation. There's also something called SEO at play. Uh, basically, we all just want to be first in Google. That's a lot more complicated than having a great and well-curated top 10 list. That involves getting to work pretty early, some strategic linking back to your list, plus some voodoo, a little luck. And you got to show up in Google News, which most blogs aren't going to do that. So if you're running a small country blog, uh, you're kind of wasting your time with top 10s. And I'm not saying that the concept is a waste of time for you. You just got to find some other way to do it to cut through because the taste of countries of the world are going to beat you every time. Sorry about that. Also, the industry's insistence on a top 10 as opposed to a top 20 or a top 15, top 20, it's kind of silly. 
there's not much downside to stretching these things out a little bit. In fact, if you could curate a top 500 songs of 2020 list, you'd probably crush everyone. It's just a hell of a lot of work. So here's the playbook to making a top 10 or a top whatever list. The most important items come last, i.e. number one, and first, number 10 of a top 10 list. So the first song on the list of the top 10 songs, the number 10 song, absolutely critical. It needs to be super interesting, and it's probably going to be something of a slap to the face of the artist, but, you know, he or she's not going to complain because no artist is ever going to say, I should be at 7 and not 10. I like Kit Moore as first for a lot of lists. His fans are super passionate. They engage. They share. Maybe they get a little angry. That's all good for me. Eric Church, another one. He's a good one to lead lists with. He's someone like uh, Matt Stell. Not so much. And that's not a knock on Matt Stell. It's just that he hasn't been here long enough to stir up that kind of passion. So right after your lead artist, your number 10 artists, comes one that has to be on the list somewhere, but privately and quietly you don't care for all that much. Number 9 is a good place to throw some subtle shade. And then you top that with number 8, which is your outsider. That's the passion project that you and six friends dove into, but didn't really crack the mainstream. You know, someone like Breland is good here with that song, My Truck. Uh, I think last year I probably tucked a Foy Vance album in this spot. He had a great album, but I know a lot of people had to Google Foy Vance if they're even going to go that far. <laughs> number seven, number six, number five, and number four don't matter. No one is reading the middle of any top ten list. Slot them in, shake them up, put them down, forget it. Don't agonize about that space in the middle there. It doesn't matter. No one debates that. Your final three matter. You put a big mainstream artist at number three, like a Luke Combs, if you can. And then you put the obvious number one at number two, and then put a sneaky, interesting pick at number one that you hope will get the artist's attention so that they share it on social media. You know, a big artist. I went with uh, Maddie and Tay, Die from a Broken Heart, over Miranda Lambert, Bluebird, for the top ten songs on Taste of Country. And... Do I believe that Die from a Broken Heart is a better song than Bluebird? Does the story of a young woman's heartbreak stir me more than a soulful, hopeful song from a grown woman who is more my age and has more in common with me? Maybe. I do love both songs. They are both hits in 2020. I do know that I was hoping for a conversation on social media because that raises the profile of my list as well and, you know, drives traffic. Now, you can get carried away here. You can try to say that The Devil Went Down to Georgia isn't the Charlie Daniels Band number one song and see how far that gets you. You'll probably find yourself standing alone on top of your high horse. Albums are a little different. There are some of these same rules when it comes to albums, but with 9 to 13 songs, there's a lot more space for subjectivity. And I'll say this about albums is look for lists that incorporate a number of different writers' ideas. Top 10 albums lists are really hard. You know, for example, I tried to fall in love with Ashley McBride's Never Will album this year. I just couldn't do it. 
But I do recognize that most reasonable people I know in this space say it's a, a great album. And I think anybody who is trained musically would listen to that and hear the songwriting and the musicality and think that is a wonderful album. So I defer to them and included it on the list. It's probably at like five or four, but she's there. Let's take a quick time out to recognize the uh, mood of my conversation here. It's possible you're getting a sense that I don't take these lists as seriously as you'd expect from a journalist, a serious journalist like myself. And, well, you're right. It's just, there's just so many of them. Every outlet does it, and publicists start to lobby about being included as well. Please consider so-and-so for top songs, as he, she, or they have sold 2 million singles and had 10 million streams. Or afterward, you get the email. I didn't see blank on your list of blank. Was this an oversight? Nope. And it doesn't matter in the country music journalist world how early you jumped on board with an artist or how well written and considered your profile and your top 10 review is. If Rolling Stone Country jumps on after you, that's game over. Publicists love putting Rolling Stone in front of their artist's name. Love it. Love it, love it, love Almost as much as print. Like, I can't imagine the bottles of champagne being broke out if an artist made Rolling Stone print. But that barely happens. Meanwhile, the rest of us slobs just over here hustling for scraps. <laughs> and I kid mostly. I, like, I love Rolling Stone Country. I like the staff over there. I have nothing against those guys. Uh, they do a lot of great work and deserve everything they got. I don't think you'll find a journalist alive who isn't a little bitter about not getting all the recognition that he, she, or they think they deserve. <laughs> the other thing that you see a lot this time of year is artists to watch lists. And every writer in town is just getting pummeled with info about various artists for your artist to watch list. And Taste Country, we don't do one. We used to, but we sort of replaced it with Risers, which was our, our and is our quarterly new artist series. There's no win with the artist-to-watch lists, even when you're right. Because here's the thing. No one's keeping score and tracking how many times someone is right. And let me give you an example of that. Let's go back to 2016 when our artist-to-watch list, and I put this together, number 10 was Kane Brown. Apparently, I was a little low on faith on Kane Brown at the time. Number 9 was Sarah Ross. No apology needed if you haven't heard of her. Number eight was High Valley. They're still with Warner. I've had a little bit of radio success. Number seven was Tara Thompson. I don't know if she's still on Big Machine, but she hasn't really had too much radio success, if any. Uh, Morgan Miles, an independent artist who has a ton of talent, uh, but is still an independent artist. She was at number six. Number five is Tucker Bethard, whose career has been kind of up and down and has shifted between labels. Uh, Steve Mokler was at number four. I like Steve a lot. Still an independent artist. Not sure he's destined for bigger things as a singer and songwriter quite yet. Um, definitely as a songwriter, not sure about a singer. Number three was William Michael Morgan, who had one hit, then washed out at Warner Music Nashville. Number two was Marin Morris, obviously a superstar, but there was one person I apparently was more confident in than Marin Morris, and that person was Granger Smith. Granger Smith was the number one artist to watch on Taste of Country in, in 2016. The other thing about artists to watch lists is no one reads them, or very few people do. I mean, if that's you, awesome. But the country-loving audience as a whole, they're, they're not that hip. You know, the, the large slice of that audience just wants to know about the artists that they do know and care about, 
And they don't care about some artist who once opened for Kenny Chesney. And by open, I mean played a side stage at a festival at which Kenny Chesney headlined three days later. Artist watch lists, too, they're an ass load of work. And, and frankly, in this time of reduced staffs, I really question the return on investment with them. Uh, Rolling Stone, though, they do something smart here. Got to give them credit. Their monthly artist to watch list is pretty smooth and effective. And that's kind of the long lasting commitment and, and regular return on investment with them. That's the way to go there. Plus, why do all these come out in December and January? Isn't March or April? I mean, frankly, that's that's a smarter month to do them because then at least we have a sniff of what artists are doing and what they have planned for their summer tour. There's nothing worse than getting behind an artist in a big way only to realize that the record label isn't behind that artist in a big way. And this happened to me several years ago with Ryan Hurd. We were like, cool, Ryan Hurd, love this guy. Good songs, great songwriter, Marin Morris, his boyfriend, unique. He's on Sony. Let's do it. Giddy up. And someone higher up said, yeah, Sony doesn't really have much in the works for him in 2017. And it was like, er? And trying to make sense of all that is, is really frustrating. So I got off that ship. I'm off that artist to watch list drug. I will say, though, I nailed Sam Hunt as an artist to watch early on, way, way earlier than anyone else did, aside from Sirius XM. And there were a few others, too. But I'm also going to admit some instances where I didn't get it totally right. Let's go back to 2014. This is actually the year that I had Sam Hunt as the number one artist. Dallas Smith was at number 10. He's Canadian, hasn't broke. Natalie Stovall on the drive, I had at nine. Uh, she's now with uh, Runaway June. Lucy Hale, she was a country singer for like a cup of coffee. Dan and Shay was my number seven artist to watch. Lindsay L was at number six. The Swan Brothers, who were on Sony at the time, were at number five. Chase Rice was at number four. He's had a, a decent career, but certainly not better than Dan and Shay. The striking matches, I was way high on two years in a row. I had them at number three in 2014, and I think I had them at number two in 2015. And you probably haven't heard of the striking matches. Again, super talented, hasn't panned out for him. Uh, number, number two in 2014, I did have, that was pretty good though, Cole Swindell at number two, and Sam Hunt was over there at number one. And just because I have it in front of me, 2015, artists like the Railers, they made the list. Chase Bryant was my number three artist to watch in 2015. He's no longer got a record deal. Old Dominion I had at number five that year. Mickey Guyton made that list. Ray Lynn made that list. Claire Dunn, who I like a lot, but is no longer with her record label. She was on that list. There's old Mo Pitney. He was at number 10. Talk to me in about May. About May, I'll be able to tell you which artists there are to really, really watch and keep an eye on in 2021. No Buy the Numbers this week, as it's a holiday week. We really won't have any new charts until after the first of the year. It's a lot of Christmas music. We don't need to know how much Bobby Helms is kicking everybody's butt once again. Bobby Helms and Brenda Lee, the king and queen of Christmas music. Uh, join me on Monday when Buddy Logan from Radio Texas Live joins the show to talk about the year in Texas music, including just so many major deaths in Texas this year, plus a number of new artists to really kind of keep an eye out for in 2021. You could even call them artists to watch. Rate and review the podcast. It's tremendously helpful when it comes to spreading the word and building our community here. You can follow me at Twitter at Billy Dukes at Gmail at billydukes at gmail.com 
and we'll see you on Monday for episode 19 of the Country Music Media Podcast. <laughs>